What number is this, Chip? Episode 105. Color cast commentary for Monkeys a la Mode. Little metal bolt. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I'm Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. back to Zilch today. I'm one of your hosts, Ken Mills, and today we're going to settle in and listen to Jeff Hewlett and Melanie Mitchell give us the color cast commentary for Monkeys a la Mode. During the time that this episode was filmed, the Monkeys were on tour. The song, You Just May Be the One, is featured in today's episode, and here are the Monkeys from Portland, 1967, live with You Just May Be the One. Hi, this is Peter Tork, and you're listening to a Shoe Suede Blues podcast. Okay, you ready? Coming soon from SSB Records. Good morning, blues. Blues, how do you do? Good morning, blues. Blues, how do you do? Good morning, how are you? Coming soon. Peter Talk and Shoe Suede Blues invite you to relax your mind. Well, I went to see you, baby. I hear you come a-walking today. I went to see you, baby. But here you come a-walking today. You got your mouth wide open, but you ain't got a thing to say. Coming soon, 2017, a brand new CD paying homage to blues artist Lead Belly. So it's good morning, blues. 
Facebook page. The Monkeys, the complete series. All 58 episodes, newly remastered in stunning HD from the original negatives for the very first time. Plus the 1969 TV special 33 and a third revolutions per monkey. Bonus material includes commentaries from all four Monkeys, original Kellogg's Monkeys commercials, and more. The 1968 Monkeys film, Head, in HD with never-before-seen outtakes. Unique packaging including a 7-inch single featuring Star Collector back with Going Down in unique TV mono mixes. This collection is strictly limited to 10,000 individually numbered box sets. And once those are sold out, this edition and the bonus disc will never be available again. Everything you loved about the monkeys on TV, it's yours in high def on Blu-ray. Now, the monkeys, the complete series. Go to rhino.com or themonkeystore.warnermusic.com. The monkeys, the complete TV series on Blu-ray. And now without further ado, let's flip the channel over and listen to Jeff Hewlett and Melanie Mitchell bring us the monkeys color cast commentary for monkeys a la mode. Hey, wait a minute, guys. You know what? It's 7.30, 6.30 Central Time. It's time for the monkeys. I wonder if anybody around here has got a television set. Hi, friends. Ralph Williams, one of the world's largest... We, what we wanted to play was, um, uh, Creepage. Creepage. How do you... The Monkeys, brought to you by Kellogg. Tonight's Monkey's Colorcast commentary is brought to you by the Red Maracas Emporium. Sure, we sell other instruments, but for some reason, our Red Maracas seem to get the most attention. Ask Boris for a deal on our $6 Maracas, now with Front Street Parking, or you can use the parking in the rear. Just exit through the heart. Hello again, and welcome to the 24th Zilch Colorcast Commentary. Tonight we're going to be talking about Monkeys a la Mode, and I am Jeff Hewlett. Alongside me, as she always is, is the wonderful monkey magic author, Melanie Mitchell. Hello, how are you tonight? I am doing great, and I am so happy that we are back together again. Yeah. Yeah. We were so encouraged by all the great feedback from our most valuable monkeys voting uh, in the Facebook group, as we always do for these color cast commentaries, we always revisit our previous color cast with the unfinished business segment. And Melanie's been kind enough to research the question that popped up during the last color cast. So I will turn the microphone over to you, Melanie. Well, thank you. There actually wasn't very much in the way of unfinished business. You did ask one question in the heat of the moment, and that was of the autobiographical information that Mickey provided during his high-speed camera test on Captain Crocodile. How much of that was actually true? Hmm. Well, I went back and watched that scene again, and this time I paid very close attention to everything Mickey had to say, which is hard because they were both talking at the same time and there was a lot of mumbling going on. But there are basically three facts that were stated. The first one was, I was born in Los Angeles. That is true. Mickey Dolenz was born at Cedars of Lebanon Hospital in Los Angeles. Curiously, in the episode we're going to talk about today, Monkeys a la Mode, Mickey will claim to have been born in Burbank, which is not true. (laughs) Second fact, I went to Grant High School. That is also true. 
class of 1962. And in the same class with Mickey Dolenz was Tom Selleck. No way. Way. That's super cool. I'm a big Tom Selleck. I loved, uh, the, if anybody out there has ever seen the movie Runaway, it's a guilty pleasure of mine with, uh, with Gene Simmons from Kiss. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, we, I think we covered that on a, on a Kiss podcast with Mr. Uh, Ken Mills. Oh, wow. Third fact. I always wanted to be a drummer, even when I was a little kid. Hmm. Now, it's a little harder for me to prove or disprove that statement. Yeah. But according to Mickey's autobiography, his actual book that he wrote, which is called I'm a Believer, Mickey hated piano practice, but hmm. studied classical Spanish guitar. Huh. And then switched to folk music when he figured out that's what the girls his age actually wanted to hear. <laughs> Typical guy. No mention of wanting to be a drummer. <laughs> nice. Good job, Mickey. Good job. Okay, Melanie, so do we have any more unfinished business? Well, there was that pie in the face that we got from our oh. friend Christine Wolf. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, based on my talking about the pie in the face gag and when did it finally die out, but we didn't really talk about the origins of the pie in the face. And thanks to Christine for giving us the nod that it was really a kind of a soupy sales homage. And, you know, I, I got to say I was born in 74, so forgive me out there. Uh, in listener land, I kind of missed the soupy sales train, but I mean, I remember seeing some of it on TV at some point when I was little and my uncle was a big fan, but I, I, you know, I feel like I was more familiar with soupy sales than, you know, seeing the TV show a couple of times. And I was kind of racking my brain to try to remember more about where I would have known more about him. And then it kind of came to me as I was reading through some of his career information that I, that's easily available out there on Wikipedia and other sites. And I was reading through and I saw that he hosted a midday radio show on WNBC New York. I'm in New Jersey between March of 85 and March of 87. And the reason why I would have heard that was because he was on after Imus in the morning. And my mother listened to Imus in the morning every day of her life. Oh. And that's why I would have heard Soupy Sales uh, because he was on between Imus and Howard Stern which my mother also listened to. So I can still remember in my head all the Don Imus jingles from her listening to that show. And I, I can remember going clear through the Soupy Sale show and through the Stern show in the house during the day. Huh. It would be on. So that's how I remember it, it kind of my brain fog cleared up as soon as I saw that. <laughs> cool. I have to know, I'm, I'm older than you. I could have been watching Soupy Sales on TV when I was a child, but I didn't. Hmm. I was aware of him when Christine mentioned him on the Facebook group. I was like, oh, yeah, him. <laughs> and then I checked, and sure enough, he was famous for the pie-in-the-face gag. That was, yeah. his, that was his go-to humor. So when I said that uh, Captain Crocodile was a cross between Captain Kangaroo and Howdy Doody, I stand by that. I think those are two clear predecessors, but Soupy Sales definitely formed a third portion of what made up that show. Yeah, no no doubt. And as I, more of the things that I was reading, I saw he actually did a pie-in-the-face gag with Frank Sinatra of all people. <laughs> I was like, I would have never expected Frank to do that. But uh, that was the popularity, I guess, of Soupy Sales back then. And, and again, forgive me, everybody, for not being as familiar with him as a lot of you may be. One thing that I saw in my little bit of reading that I was doing about Soupy that I thought was really interesting. I love nickname origins or name origins. I love knowing how people came up with their names. And his little name backstory was really cool to me. He got his nickname from his family. Uh, his older brothers had nicknames like Ham Bone and Chicken Bone. And he got the name, the nickname Soup Bone when he was growing up. And he later shortened it to just Soupy. And when he became a disc jockey, he was using the name Soupy Hines, and he decided that Hines was too close to the ketchup or soup company, so he changed it to Sales, so um, partially based on another comedian uh, named Chick Sale. So that's where Soupy Sales came from. I thought that was kind of cool. Huh. Well, thank you, Christine, for setting us on the correct path, and I think that takes care of our previous business. Thanks for doing all that research, though, Melanie. This is some interesting stuff. My pleasure. All right. So that's it for Unfinished Business? I think so. All right, so we will move on to uh, some of the information about the episode we're going to be talking about tonight, Monkeys a la Mode. For the subject for our annual Young America issue, Rob Roy. Madam Quagmire, I've photographed a dozen possibilities. Tavius Van Patten, 
the polo champion, Vernon Equinox, the socialite. Stale. Stale. Well, what we need is something fresh and new. Madam Q, I met a group of boys last week that were all that and more. Possible. Possible. Long-haired weirdos. Hideous. But what difference does it make? We'll make them over into our own image. Huh? I guess it came by special messenger or something. Laying on the doorstep. Hey, we don't subscribe to Sheet Magazine, do we? No, I'm hip. Surprise Magazine says here, necklines are plunging lower every year. This year, the V will go down to the tummy in something of a peekaboo effect into the swing of fashions and have your own naval observatory. You must be joking. You're right, I am. It doesn't say that at all. Hey, hey, listen to this. Why not? Take little metal bottle tops and nail them to your living room floor. It gives you the impression that you are walking upon little metal bottle tops. Hey, look, there's a letter in here. Why does it say? It's from it's from a Madame Quagmire. Well, she probably signs her name in brown ink too. How did you know? Hey, this is this is for real. It says we've been chosen as the typical young Americans of the year. Stuff. Hey, this magazine isn't so bad, guys. I mean, it's got a lot of silly articles, I know, about, like, clothes and, and hair and stuff like that. But it's also got a cereal every month. This month is cornflakes. As we always do, we're going to run through some information about the actors, actresses, and uh, some of the production staff and some information about the episode itself. So you want to kick us off with some actor and actress information, Melanie? Certainly. I'm going to start off with everyone's favorite monkey girl, Valerie Carries in the role of Toby Willis. The monkeys are the typical fun people, the Davoon madcap boys for whom every day is just one gay adventure. Oh, oh that sounds like it was written by a sick leprechaun. Not boy, to be exact. Uh-huh, well, it's the same thing. Valerie Carries was a budding actress in 1965 when she was hired by Raybert Productions to be Davies' stand-in for the pilot episode. Huh. However, the union would not allow a woman to work as a stand-in for a male actor. So she ended up sharing the stand-in job with David Price, who was actually much taller than Davy. Being an attractive young woman who was already on the set, she was often called on to appear in episodes. She actually appeared in at least 14 episodes of The Monkees, as well as in the movie Head. But she only had one other speaking part. As Davy's dance partner and willing kidnap victim in Your Friendly Neighborhood Kidnappers. Nice. Now that small part was actually written for her. On the other hand, the major role she has in Monkeys a la Mode was not written for her. According to her own commentary on the Blu-ray set, the actress who had been hired to play Toby Willis was unavailable at the last minute. Oh. And Bob Rafelson said, this is what Valerie Carries Vinay said, Bob Rafelson said, put Valerie in. She can do it. Nice. She later married legendary rock producer Nick Vinay, and to this day, she is a working actress and friend to Monkey's fans everywhere. Oh. And she was a guest on Zilch episode number 20. Oh, nice, nice. Excellent. I, I, that was that's way back. Turn that way back machine on, Melanie. My goodness. <laughs> Dive into the Zilch past. And that was the first interview I helped with. Oh, my goodness. Even more of Zilch history. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, next up is Patrice Wymore, who plays uh, Madame Quagmire, uh, cleverly spelled quagmire i must say so i found out some interesting stuff about her uh, when i was doing some research and i had no idea that she was married to errol flynn oh wow. i did not know that yeah so uh her first film appearance was in 1950 in a film called t for two opposite doris day so a pretty big debut there so uh following errol flynn's death uh, she had taken some time off of acting uh, to, to tend to his health and uh, she returned to acting after that mostly doing musicals and things like Carnival and Di- Guys and Dolls, things like that. But um, she wound up getting back into doing television and movies and appeared in uh, a Frank Sinatra movie as Frank Sinatra's girlfriend in, in Ocean's Eleven in 1960. And she made a bunch of guest appearances on Perry Mason 
And in 65, she was in a short-lived soap opera called Never Too Young uh, that, that wound up being canceled. So uh, 1966, she appeared in uh, fil- another film. And then her last appearance on television was in F Troop in 67, after which she retired from television. So other, other TV credits include some of the usual suspects, Cheyenne, uh, 77 Sunset Strip, and, of course, The Monkees. Oh, I, I think she's wonderful in this role. Oh, she's perfect. Yeah, and I get a very strong Angela Lansbury vibe. Hmm. She reminds me of the young Angela Lansbury. I didn't think of that until you just said it, and that makes perfect sense. Okay, I have some information about Eldon Quick, who cool. plays the unusually named Rob Roy Fingerhead. I'm Rob Roy Fingerhead, the chief staff photographer. <laughs> this is Toby Willis, and she'll write this story. You see, what we want to do is show what you are and the way you live. Well, uh, you want to get us arrested? Don't do that. No. As you know, Chic is the magazine of style. Now then, where's your style? Hmm? Oh, well, we usually keep it in the bathtub. We, we have this picture. Walked into a house filled with cheap, ugly claptrap, and he's showing me a picture of a cow. It's a nice cow. Eldon Quick was just starting his TV career when he appeared on The Monkees. He had other guest roles in such series as Please Don't Eat the Daisies, Gomer Mm. Pyle USMC, Bewitched, Adam 12, That Girl, The Big Valley, Mob Squad, and many other TV series. But most people might remember him. Uh, he appeared in three episodes of, actually, he appeared in four episodes of the TV series MASH, three of them in the role of Captain Sloan, the hmm. army bureaucrat from the 375th QMHQ ComC PAC SolSec RepDep. Good Lord. I practiced saying that. <laughs> you did well. <laughs> okay, so I guess we can move on to director. Alex Singer, uh, this is the first episode of The Monkees that he will direct. He winds up directing six in total. Uh, the others are all filmed in the first half of the second season, including such episodes as Art for Monkey's Sake, Everywhere a Chic Chic, uh, Iowa's a 99-pound weakling, Monkeys Wash Their Feet, and Monkey Mayor. So he was born in 1928 in New York City, and he's, of course, an American director. He's got a long career under his belt. And he began in 1951 as a cinematographer on a documentary called The Day of Flight, directed by a high school friend named Stanley Kubrick, who also went on to be a pretty prolific director himself. So uh, although he would direct other feature films, uh, including some films that I've I've never personally seen, but uh, Captain Apache and Glass Houses. He also wound up working on a film of the book, which his wife, Judith Singer, wrote, and he wrote the bulk of the credits uh, on that television. And in the long list of series to which he has been part of uh, on television are, some, of course, a more usual suspect, Dr. Kildare, uh, Mission Impossible, Alias Smith and Jones, Policewoman Cagney and Lacey, uh, MacGyver, and of course, six episodes of The Monkees, but another Star Trek connection. He also directed on three Star Trek episodes uh, the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. So there's our Star Trek connection we always look for on these cool. episodes. Okay, and this episode was written by Gerald Gardner and Dee Caruso, who were the series script and story editors, and who partnered up on so many episodes that I can't even begin to name them. But yeah. we've certainly heard from them before, and we're going to hear from them again. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the 28th episode filmed. Filming ended in January 12, 1967, um, while the monkeys were filming this episode, I Dream of Jeannie was filming the episode called The Greatest Entertainer in the World hmm. with the legendary singer Sammy Davis Jr. as a guest oh, nice. star. During that period of time, Mr. Davis visited the monkey set, and rumor has it that he filmed a brief cameo for the show. Oh, no. Fortunately, nothing survives except a few still photos. From oh, so man. we don't know what the cameo was about. Oh, well, that's a shame. I love Sammy Davis. I wish that cameo would have made it in. Yeah, it would have been cool. The episode wrapped on a Thursday, and two days later, the Monkees gave a concert in Detroit. And the next day, which was a Sunday, they played a concert in Cleveland. I believe that's where they got chased through the streets and had to jump into a police car to get away from all the girls. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a cool tidbit. They were on such the, busy guys. Yeah, yeah, on the following Monday, which was January 16th, 
they had their very first recording session as a band, in which they recorded All Your Toys and The Girl I Knew Somewhere with Chip Douglas as producer. Nice. And the episode first aired on February 27th of 1967, making it the 24th episode aired, even though it was the 28th filmed. So this one got turned around pretty quickly. I'm just about to say that. I mean, wow, filming ended, you know, like a month and a half before it aired. That's crazy. Yeah, about six weeks. That's crazy. What a turnaround time. What about the songs on this episode? Well, we have a romp set to the song Laugh, and we have a performance of You Just May Be the One, which was lifted out of the episode One Man Shy. This episode was not rerun in the summer of 1967, but when it came back on in 1970, they took out Laugh and put in Oh My My in its place. I can't imagine that song fitting that romp. It's It's a tough one, yeah. Yeah, that's a strange substitution. All right, I guess that wraps up our information on the episode itself. I guess we're getting ready to start our commentary. You ready to go, Melanie? I think I am. All right, everybody, get your DVDs, your Blu-rays, your YouTubes, your whatever streaming service queued up, and we're going to give you a three count, and you can start your players and watch along with us here in three, two, one. So here we have a lovely view of the Chic Magazine offices. And I just, I love all the costumes they have, that, that glorious orange outfit that Toby is wearing. And I even like Madame Quagmire's outfit. I, like I do too. Her outfits. This is a great send-up, I think, of the, the fashion industry and the fashion magazine publishing industry. They really, really play up the, the pompousness and the aloofness of these people. Yeah, but there is an underlying glamour. I mean, yeah. they, they do have style. <laughs> For sure. And I, I like how you've got uh, Toby there is kind of the young internish, uh, doesn't completely buy in. She still has, she hasn't converted over to, um, you know, that way of thinking yet. So she doesn't, hasn't assimilated. By the way, she said that. she met them last week. Where do you suppose she met them? I, that, that was a good question. I wondered she, that as well. Was she at one of their gigs? Oh, it's entirely possible. Yeah, because she knows them as a group, not as individuals. Yeah. Now, so, here's a course. question for you. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Is this the first episode in which Mike doesn't wear the hat? He just carries it around. Oh, He that's does a wear good it question. a little bit later, but he, in most of the scenes in this episode, he's carrying the hat, not wearing it. Oh, good call. That's true. It's in his lap right now. And, you know, did you notice I it, this really stood out to me in this particular sequence, how many tight close-ups there are? Mm-hmm. It just keeps yeah. going close-up to close-up to close-up brand uh, of new, each of the monkeys. Brand new director, maybe. He's trying something different. Yeah. And, did you and, notice that the um, uh, yeah. box, cereal box, they blacked out yep. the name of the cereal? Oh, but what they mentioned cornflakes by name. Yeah, and Kellogg's is one of their sponsors. But yeah, they so, blacked it out really nonetheless. Sure. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, and you know, hey, oh, here's another question for you. Uh-huh. Uh, is this the only monkeys episode where they use the um, um, the sequence of still the goofy stills in the episode itself instead of just in the credits? They do it a couple times. I think th- I think this may be. Yeah, I have to mm. stop and think about that, but I'm pretty sure it is. Hmm. Interesting. And- uh, by the way, there's a long-haired weirdos reference um, yeah. in in the intro sequence here that. Uh, by, by Mr. Rob Roy, who I forgot to mention really quickly. is I thought it was funny because he's named after an alcoholic beverage. Uh, I'm sure that was an intentional an t- intentional uh, gag. I'm not sure about the fingerhead part, yeah. what that means. Maybe it's just a funny name. I also like to point out that um, when Peter made the joke about the uh, magazine containing a cereal, yeah. uh, some folks may not know that magazines used to publish novels in serial format. Oh, so he's referring nice. to a novel being released one chapter at a time in a magazine. Oh, very cool. I didn't know that. Thank you for, for informing me. Nice. Now, nice. for those of you who are watching on the Blu-ray, we're watching a um, Kellogg's commercial right now. So if you're watching on the Blu-ray, you're going to be about 15 seconds ahead of us for the rest of the episode. Sorry. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> Did not realize that. Yeah. So my, the one I'm what I'm watching still has the Kellogg's commercial here. Yeah, yeah, we're so. we're both watching the DVDs. Okay, that's awesome. so we can stay in sync. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this letter they keep passing around and sharing. And Davy's really weird with the door in this episode. 
Yeah, he really is. And what is that strange like dog bark sound <laughs> that he yeah. made? I I I I was kind of scratched. The first I had to rewind it and watch it again to make. The, I I thought maybe it was a dog barking, but then I realized it was Davy that made the noise. Yeah, he picked it up somewhere along the line. He does it in a few other episodes too. It's just a a mannerism mm. he picked up somewhere. Mm. I do love Rob Roy's analysis of their living conditions. There's the first Rob Roy fingerhead. Uh, <laughs> I love it. That's and a good I love this joke that um, Toby says, we want to show who you are and how you live. And Davey immediately says, what do you want to get us arrested? Yeah. <laughs> arrested for what? <laughs> it's a good gag, though. I think it's gag. something they slip past the censors. Hey, oh, hey, look, Mr. Schneider's in the background. There he is. Yeah, that's, there's their style. Yeah. Along with the cow picture. Which Peter just pulled the cow picture out of a lamp. <laughs> well, that's the weird part about this. There's several things that get pulled out of unlikely places. I love Peter's imitation of um, <laughs> of Rob Roy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, is that bat phone always there under the cover i don't recall it always being there under a cover it's in different places in the apartment or in the pad in different episodes but it's been under that um well it's basically a cake dome on on other episodes as well so davy's about to retrieve a hatchet from a lamp yeah uh, an overhead lamp which is kind of weird when you consider that they live in an earthquake zone um Yeah, that hatchet may take a fall out of that uh, that lamp and land on somebody. I, I love the fact that they went so far as to include these bizarre places for these different things. And we'll see Mickey pull a lamp out of the refrigerator. Oh, here's some monkey magic, by the way. <laughs> I love these little vignettes that they do with yeah. you know, Peter is George Washington, obviously, mm-hmm. using the hatchet. And, and Mickey pulls a lamp out of a refrigerator. Yeah. And now he's William Tell. But I, the touch. That's, um... Oh my God! Now, now Paul you Revere. Out... Paul yeah, Revere. Paul Revere. Thank Paul you. Paul Revere. What am I, an idiot? I'm. You oh, put man, that I'm name in my head, and I couldn't get the real one. By the way, Paul um, Revere. Davy is the British soldier. Paul Revere really was captured by the British during his famous ride. Wow. <laughs> nice. All right. So let's see. Where Where are we? I'm trying to wrap back yeah, around here. Watch, so. watch Peter. When Toby says that we don't under that the monkeys don't get the magazine business, Peter th- does a cutthroat motion with his hand. Oh, does clearly he? he understands the magazine business. Oh, here we go. Let me see. Yeah, it's real sweet. But oh, there you go. And he has a little goofy face with his tongue sticking out. <laughs> yeah, he that's perfect, it. Peter. <laughs> yeah, Peter. Peter's really on in this episode. I think he's mm-hmm. he really is. He's fully in character. There's a lot of really good goofy Peter moments. Mm-hmm. Sprinkle throughout this. A couple of um, moments where he's in the right place at the right time, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much of these little things are ad lib, like Mickey holding a lamp up to his face and walking away from the door like that with that goofy expression. I don't know. Yeah. I love that part of his character. It's interesting that Mike didn't want to be seen with his bare chest, so he holds up his shirt (laughs) in front of his body. Uh, I, I love that sick burn. Right there for Madam Q. Um, <laughs> retract. I retract that statement. Right. Uh, when Peter walks up and saying this is the dumbest thing the she's seen. Time, is that the first time he's actually been called a dummy on the air? Oh, it's brutal. It is brutal. So this is a, an interesting scene here with these these uh, female reporters. They all play the parts really, really well. It's interesting with three um, reporters who have been out of college for a few years that Toby's the one writing the article. Yeah, right? That none of them are in the running to write the article. Huh. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I love Mickey's French right here. It's so yeah. goofy. <laughs> and she's so robotic. Well, later on, they actually look like they're about to kiss. Yeah. And, of course, Peter romances the lamp. Well, they didn't give him a reporter to talk to. Yeah. Well, it's not kind of unfair that he doesn't get one of them. So, I mean... Yeah. But he's doing the same thing with the lamp that he was doing with Rob Roy earlier. He's imitating the the stance <laughs> and the pose. He did that with a painting back in uh, Son of a Gypsy, I think. Or was it, right. Was it Son of a Gypsy or was it um, Prince of the no, I think it was Son of a Gypsy. Well, I think it was, was Son of a Gypsy. Where they were sitting in the anteroom and he was doing an imitation of a painting. Yeah, I remember. 
remember that. So is this um, how how rare? I, this is my bad memory, but how rare are episodes where Davy doesn't try to hook up with the uh, main female lead or leads? Well, I gotta tell you that one of the things that I love about Toby Willis as a character, um, and I referred to this in the female characters essay in my book, is that she's not a romantic interest for any of the guys. She is exactly. a friend, a friend I like to all that. four of them. Um, and it's a, a refreshing change. I, I agree. And I, I noticed that when I rewatched this, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've seen this over the years, but mm-hmm. I de- it stood out to me yeah. that at no point do any of the guys make any sort of advances or even any kind of comments yeah, exactly. in that regard to her. So, um, you know, the shirt I, I think it's refreshing here. I just, oh. cause it, it's going to go by soon. Um, that shirt appeared in the episode monkeys at the movies. Um, mm. it originally belonged to the, um, snooty, um, actor. And then oh. later Davey wore it, uh, when he replaced the actor, I can't think of, remember the character's name, but that's a recycled uh, costume from another episode. I like that I mean, Mickey's playing the Randy Scouse get drum beat here. <laughs> well, actually, I don't think Randy Scouse get had even been written yet because this episode was filmed before Mickey went to England. Yeah. He might have had that particular rhythm in his mind already. <laughs> I love this scene with the blue shirt, the black tie, and the. <laughs> oh, <it's good. laughs> Yeah, Mickey. Mickey does such a great job with these wacky, zany, um, almost like off the cuff ad lib type things, where he's just kind of freaking out a little bit. It's actually such very a great... similar, very similar to the scene in Captain Crocodile where he was right. doing the screen test. Yeah. And uh, Captain Crocodile was yelling, you know, come closer, step back, you know, look over there, look over there. They were both talking at the same time. This custom romp. This romp has so many weird props in it. I mean, starting with the chicken. I it mean, does. A live chicken. And then there it are does. a whole bunch of weird sculptures in the in the pad. During yeah, the like, what are those things? I don't know. I they must have all been in the prop room. Them. They must have all been in the prop room. I love this ti- this stuffed tiger. Yeah. <laughs> That's attacking Mickey. That's stuffed great. Stuffed tiger, and then we're about to have the enormous pair of scissors. Yeah. Uh, it's just great. the weirdest props. There we go with the scissors. And, you know, I got I got to say, and this is one of the reasons why I think Oh My My is being swapped out for laugh doesn't work as well. I love the fact that they kind of synced up the poker playing with the, um, when you lose all your money line oh. <laughs> from laugh. I thought it was brilliant, a brilliant move. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they intended to do that when they filmed all this stuff, but, um, you know, when they did the sequencing for this romp, it, it definitely works out because it, it feels like the, the lyrics of the song are at least somewhat lining up yeah, with be. what's going on. They recycled a lot of footage from earlier episodes and they just bring in all these weird props like that great big pencil. In a moment, um, Mike's going to wander through with a huge chain and a what looks like a car's radiator. Oh, yeah, look at that. There he is. And you got Mickey in a wetsuit. Yeah. Playing guitar. And then thanks to my new friend Misha Hoff uh, from the unofficial Columbia Ranch site, I now know that this was filmed at the Columbia Ranch. I can see the buildings oh. in the background of that it's the same park we see in so many other episodes very cool and yeah. i actually have a question for you uh-huh. based on this romp um is this how often did mike wear a blue hat the blue hat was used in several episodes in the latter half of the first season i think um i just oh, there's mickey wearing the hat um but uh i distinctly remember it in the uh monkeys on the line the telephone Ah. Answering service episode had the blue hat. Very good. I knew you'd have an answer for that question. <laughs> the top of your head. And this this ending piece is an insurance nightmare. Yeah. Uh, the bouncing on the trampoline and or the monkeys in the pyramid falling down. I mean, this is the kind of stuff they would do with stunt doubles now. Yeah. Today on television, but they actually I love the physical acting in this and the fact that they were allowed to do all of that stuff. Well, earlier we saw Mike in one of his pretending to be a statue and then falling over. Hmm. Um. You know. He takes all kinds of crazy risks with his personal safety when he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I got to applaud the guys for that. And um, I think it adds something to the show that they were able to do all that stuff themselves. I would love to read Toby's article. I would, too. Don't you want to know what Toby said? I would love to, yeah. I mean, well, and look how disappointed she is. This is heartbreaking. It is. And, you know, she's doing a great job acting while not having any lines to say. Yep. She's just reacting to what they're saying. Yep. You can see the disappointment. 
yeah. on her face. And it really comes through. And okay. of course, you've got the smugness of Rob Roy, who's Check already out prepared Rob his Roy's jacket. That's oh. the same jacket the monkeys were wearing in Captain Crocodile. It's the Check same it jacket Mickey Dolenz was wearing on the cover of More of the Monkeys. No way. Way. That is awesome. <laughs> And I do not and, know wow. what Davy has against that poor giraffe. I don't know either, but you know what? That watching him try to feed that stuffed giraffe and then slap it down made me wonder what do the monkeys do when no one's watching them? <laughs> what are they doing in that house? They have no idea. Davy gave a girl a friendship ring. Isn't that sweet? Aww. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's funny that I that article when they eventually finally read some of it. Um, I don't think it warranted necessarily the reactions that they're getting yeah. from the people in their lives, like losing friends and girlfriends, um, being slapped in the face and uh, rocks <laughs> thrown through their window. Well, maybe there was something farther in the article. I mean, Toby only read a couple oh, of sentences. That's true. But um, I love the bit Mike did with the phone and the railing of the stairs yeah. that already went by, but. It's a good bit. Well, you know, and then notice that the phone, when it's on the stairs, has a cord that goes upstairs. But when it's on the table, it has no cord. Oh. <laughs> That's fascinating. And I don't know where Davey just jumped down from. Uh, I don't know, but his hair is messed up from it. <laughs> uh, so. The old uh, note tied around the rock gag. <laughs> yeah, that scrub up sign over the sink, was that always there if yes. I, or have I been missing something? It's always there, yeah. Okay, good. I, I'm losing has- my mind. The sink both has taps and a pump. Oh. I love this little pose they do. It's the door knock. And watch Davey. He's going to use the uh, people on the door even though he can't see. Yep. It's another short gag. Yeah, twice. Another good short gag. I love the way Toby's hair is done in this scene. Yeah, that, that that little teal tie she's got through it is very cute. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then she's obviously disappointed. And she quits her job. Over oh, yeah. it. So she's got integrity. I love that about the character. This is probably one of the better female characters I think they've had. Oh, absolutely. And I show. just, I, again, I just love the fact that they're all four clustered around her, talking to her, and none of them's making the moves on her. Yep. Yep. But she's not falling head over heels with any of them either. It's a no pure friendship relationship. Now this mm-hmm. scene bugs me because you've got two live birds and two lit candles on the yep. same table. I mean. God, it's amazing they didn't set something on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they did, and we just don't know about it. <laughs> oh, man. So, so many interesting little uh, little gags here. Um, yeah. I like the fact that they reference pheasant under glass, but they don't actually yeah. have pheasant under glass on the quick, table. Quick shout out to my cello playing friend, Janet. Um, Peter's bow was way over tightened. That bothers <laughs> the heck out of her. That bow was about to snap notice. from the pressure of... The tightness. <laughs> and now look, now the phone the phone cord is not going up the stairs anymore. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it's a really weird continuity thing. I was I picked up on when I just rewatched this that uh, the phone cord seems to go different places depending on where the phone is. And there's that here's the picture here are the pictures again. I love the moment in which Davy says you can take your trophy and <laughs> and then in the very next scene we see that trophy. Now I yep. don't know what and was leading to. But you think of some of the things that people would tell someone to do with a trophy and then that think could about be quite the shape painful. of that trophy. Yeah. <laughs> leave it to the imagination. It's yep. large here's, and pointy. <laughs> here's our favorite set again. Yep. We are in the ballroom set. and We are redressed again. The um, crowd of advertisers includes an, an African-American couple. Oh. So a little bit of 1967 progressive uh, it's symbolic, but nonetheless, they didn't have to hire black extras, and they did. Nice. I think that's the first instance of them introducing themselves with the hello, 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 except they oh. just totally screwed it up. Of course. Well, they're they're doing it on purpose. Yes. This time, but this is this is cool. I like this this sequence. I, I think this is a a kind of a classic monkeys bit where yes. they're going to flip the script. You see, I, I like the concept of it. I think they dragged it on too long. I think uh, this scene went a little bit too long. They kind of milked it too much. They um, did. Maybe I, a little I bit. I would have preferred to have a little more story and a little bit less of this. But nonetheless. Um, good good physical acting there by Peter, uh, by the way, as he's getting you know yanked up by his collar and right. then he gets kneed. 
and he falls over. And <laughs> that wig is not a great Davy wig. It's, no, it's close, but not quite not. right. But here's a question. How would Davy have known that she was going to specifically mention his coiffure? That's a good question. So is it monkey magic or did he come dressed like that? I think that's monkey magic. And <laughs> you know what? I When he pulls that wig off and he backs up with that big smile on his face, I got a serious Tom Cruise vibe oh. <laughs> from Davy right there. And it kind of creeped me out. <laughs> kind of creeped me out a little bit. Davy, okay. actually well, Davy in this episode as a whole kind of, he's, he seems a little bit different than normal. He's like more snarky Davy. Now, I said that the the joke with the bald cap, in 1967, everyone gasps in horror and disgust. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. in the contemporary viewpoint, you know, seeing it as somebody in, in the 2000s, you see a young man who's bald, wig or no wig, you see a bald young man and you think, well, he might be very ill. Yes. And so it's not, you know, like, oh, how horrible, how disgusting, you know, it's, you know, it's, oh, poor guy. Yeah, it's something that doesn't age as well. No, it didn't. <laughs> and here's Mike actually wearing the hat. Yes, he is in this scene. He actually wore it when he showed up at the um, offices of Sheet Magazine as well. So what, there's your trophy. With, what were you going to tell them to do with that trophy? <laughs> I don't know, but that would be really painful. It would be very painful, yes. <laughs> this, is, this is a great uh, script flip. Here, by the way, I, I love that we didn't get any uh, indication beforehand that this is what the monkeys were planning to do mm -hmm. uh, to get even. So I kind of like that they hid that from the audience and let it unfold now, watch naturally. As, as Rob Roy starts to make his escape, there we go with the Rob Roy figurehead again. As he tries to make his escape, watch Peter. It's very slick. Yeah. Very slick move. Mm-hmm. By Peter there. Yep. <laughs> He's right and where Rob he needs to be at the exact right moment. Yeah. And <laughs> and Mickey kind of grabs the back of his jacket uh -huh. and doesn't let him escape. But yeah, this is this is this is classic, I think. And I love the fact that Mike delivers this this way. Mm -hmm. And uh this is a really fragile camera, by the way. Yeah. He barely touched it and yeah. it's shattered to a million pieces. <laughs> Poor Rob Roy. But I guess he got his comeuppance. It was a mercy killing. Yeah, and, and Madam Q comes unraveled and shows her true self. Yeah, much as Captain side. Crocodile did in the last yeah. episode we saw, the end, where he suddenly loses it and starts screaming at the children. Yep. Um, what I don't understand is why the, the banquet servers helped to restrain Madam Quagmire. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I love that Davy puts the wig on backwards, upside yeah. down. <laughs> That's a cute touch. I, I wonder if he if he was instructed to do that or he just kind of did it. I don't know. But it's kind of cool looking, and, and I like this. This is this has to all be ad lib. Them it picking does. up the cups it, and stacking really them up like that. It really does look like they just told the guys to go out there and, and make a scene. And... Yeah, that's yeah. that. They're so brilliant at that. They pulled that off so well. Mm-hmm. And here's a, another f script flip that I I thought this was really cute. It is, but That's, it's almost strange to see her being mean. Yeah, I, I agree. It is kind of strange, but I, I like the the implication that the fashion industry will get you, no matter what. If you're in it, you're going to get sucked into that mm -hmm. that lifestyle and that mode of thinking. And um, and I hate to see poor Toby, the sweet character, getting turned around like that. But I I think it's a really good bit of social commentary well at least if she was going to stop being sweet at least she got to be successful yeah i mean it shows her being promoted into a position of power there's something about that i guess yeah yeah so she yeah she wound up getting um well unfortunately she winds up having to change herself but she winds up getting the uh the, the good job in the end yeah um so she gets a little bit of revenge on her her former boss and of course rob roy who's also been demoted. I wonder if he was demoted because his camera broke, he just couldn't get another one. And now he's just typing away on a typewriter. <laughs> well, I think the most important thing is he's working for Toby now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the um, performance from One Man Shy. And if it seems like oh. Peter is awfully enthusiastic, that's because he's dancing with his girlfriend, Valerie. Mm. Um, she's in the audience directly in front of him. And we don't see it in this particular sequence. But as it originally aired in One Man Shy, there was a moment where we can see the two of them in the same shot. Ah. With Valerie dancing directly in front of Peter. 
Very cool. So that might explain why he's so doggone happy. <laughs> uh, he he is very into it. <laughs> very into it. Well, this, is, this is the classic Peter moves. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got his set of moves that he pulls off uh, very, very well. So, uh, yeah, the little snap action playing the guitar. Look at him go. <laughs> Excellent. And Excellent. if I remember correctly, this is the song on the headquarters uh, album where he actually did play the bass. Yeah. Yeah. This is not the headquarters version. Headquarters. No, this is the earlier. Recorded yet. But when they did headquarters, um, other people played bass on most of the tracks, but Peter played bass on this one. All right. And our end credits are rolling. So that means that it is time to vote on our most valuable monkey for this episode. Do you want to go first? Do you I want me to go I first? I went first last time. Why don't you go first this time? Okay. Well, this one was a little bit easier for me than other episodes were, and I'm going to have to give this one to Mr. Mike Nesmith. I like the fact that he took the lead on sinking Rob Roy and Madam Q at the awards ceremony, that that part of the episode. just It felt great. It was a good comeuppance for the two of them. Uh, for for beating the monkeys down and and after ruining their reputations by publishing that fraudulent article, I think Mike really stuck it to him. So my my most valuable monkey vote goes to Mike. Okay, well I'm going to have to cast my vote for Mickey, Ooh. and I'm giving it to Mickey for the red shirt and the blue tie and the black slacks and the gray trousers <laughs> and the purple <laughs> the plain purple business suit. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> That's another good pick. I think you. I don't think you can go wrong with with any pick for this episode. Everyone had some good representation on this. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, we've got some most valuable monkey votes from our Facebook group that have come in prior to the recording of the episode. So we're gonna go through some of those now, and we'll start off with the folks who voted for Mr. Mickey Dolans. And we've got Karen Reed voted for Mickey for silly comic expression, which is. A really great reason to vote for him. And Joni Griffin voted for him for being silly. So pretty much the same reasons for voting for Mickey. So Mickey's got two votes. And Peter also has two votes so far. The first one from Scotty Mabry Howells, who said, he's funny with very little verbiage. Hmm. Good and point. Tamara Rose said, for the smooth move of blocking Rob Roy from escaping, the picture <laughs> of grace throughout. Nice. Very good. And you pointed that out while we were watching the episode. So, it was uh, Tamara who pointed it out to me, and I made a point of, of identifying it. Oh, thank excellent. Thank you, Tamara. Yes, thank you, Tamara. That was, uh, you know, that, that, like I said, I think you can't go wrong voting for any of the monkeys. This was an all-monkeys-on-deck episode. Absolutely. All four of them were contributing at all times. Yep, absolutely. Let's see. So who agreed with me uh, on voting for Mr. Nesmith? So let's see. We've got Mickey... Klafka said, uh, v- voted for him for his award acceptance speech. So there we go. I got uh, someone who agrees with me. Uh, Trevor Duncanson says, for all his one-liners, another another great reason. He had a lot of good ones in this one. Uh, Tina Walters voted for Mike for his intelligence, which I, I think that's his role pretty much throughout the entire series. He was always the stoic, intelligent, more grown-up monkey for the most part. So another really good reason to vote for Mike. Let's see, David Levin says, for being... Uh, humorous, a good bit, which he definitely was. And Carolyn Negron says, for his understated sarcasm and contempt throughout the episode and a great line delivery. Uh, so all all excellent reasons to vote for Mike Nisman. Oh, i got to say the line. That sounds like it was written by a sick leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I have the list of people who voted for Davey. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with Donna Hughes, who said, for his cuteness and charming self. Aww. Christy Vanover said, for daring the bald head. Nice. And Keith Combs echoed that by saying, for rocking the bald cap. Sweet. Chad Ledoux says, for his little, pardon me, for his little metal bottle top scene. You know, it's funny. I had a note to, to mention that when we went past <laughs> it and we were talking about other stuff and I didn't bring it up. But that that joke in this episode it, it doesn't make me laugh out loud, but it makes me laugh in my head because yeah. I just I love the delivery of it. I love the way he says little metal bottle tops. It just it, <laughs> the timing of it is so good. Oh, yeah. So uh, thanks, Chad, for bringing that one up. Yeah, there's actually two wonderful bits right there at the beginning. The other one is Mike making up a story about plunging necklines. And yes, you have your own naval observatory. 
That's a wonderful bit, too. Anyway, getting on with um, with Davies, folks. The next one comes from Andrew Seuss, who said for his air-raising stunt. And finally, Paula Brinkman. And this is the longest explanation that we got from anybody. Yay, you, Paula. Uh, bring it on. Paula said, for the excellent Chekhov wig and bald cap, also for making funny faces at Nez toward the end of And You Just May Be the One, and, of course, for little metal bottle tops. Nice. And she wrote it out that way, too. That's brilliant. Yes, she did. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for another Star Trek connection, Paula. I always love those. All right. So I guess that brings us to the end of our Most Valuable Monkey voting now. But, of course, you will also be able to cast your votes when this episode goes live. So feel free to chime in on the Facebook group and tell us who your Most Valuable Monkey is in Monkeys a la Mode. Uh, say, listen, we understood you had a new editor. We thought we'd come uh, see about getting maybe a retraction or something. Retraction, my foot. Uh, Toby, uh, are you the new editor? And why not? What's so surprising about that? Well, you know, it's a very responsible job. Well, I've got some of the best assistants in the business. Right? Right. right. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I guess, Melanie, that brings our time together to a close. I'm afraid it does. It's gone yeah, twice so too quickly. It always does. But there are more Monkeys episodes, so therefore there will be more color casts. And we'll be back with you again in the very near future, I'm sure. So, Melanie, thank you once again for all of your research and being here with us. It's my pleasure. I really enjoy doing this. It's always yes. good to talk to you, Jeff. As do I. So, guys, thank you for listening to the ColorCast Commentary, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's Monkey's ColorCast. I'm your announcer, Ghosty Timmers. And that's our show. Zilch is an online, nonprofit Monkey's audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the Monkey's or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Hi, I'm Ken Mills. And I'm Courtney Cronendold. And we're from Pop, a pop culture podcast. Courtney, what do we talk about on Pop? We talk about everything from the love boat to the billion dollar person. I, you know, I guess it's with inflation. The six million dollar man is worth what? How many trillion now, right? The million dollar person. I mean, what the? F that's a great. That's my favorite show. Is the million dollar person? If you love pop culture and you love having fun, that's really what the show's about: having fun and pop culture. Join the conversation. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pop podcast. Find us on iTunes or at poppodcast.blogspot.com. You can find us on Instagram at poppodcast. P-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. I'm not hip enough for Instagram. <laughs> Hi again, fellow Monkeys fans. Al Bigley here, also known as Mendrick the Magnificent. And your favorite humble mentalist, Alan Oraculo Williams. We just wanted to let you know about our new Monkeys podcast called The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Where we reminisce and ruminate along with you guys about our favorite entertainment entity, The Monkeys. Who? Oh, oh, of course, The Monkeys. We talk about anything and everything. Our own personal memories and opinions, watershed moments in the group's history... You'll hear my partner's famous, amazing remixes of your favorite monkey tunes. Who knows what else we can think of, depending on whether the brain cells work. That's right. Find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Or go to blogspot.com and search for us there. A monkey's podcast for everyone. The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Check us out. Hi, I'm Megan from Same Page Cast. And I'm Craig from Same Page Cast. Hey, Craig. Where do you yeah. go when you want to hear the latest monkey's news? Oh, come on. I go to Zilch. Of course, Zilch. And if you're looking for even more Monkeys content, you can find us at Same Page Cast. On the Pods and Sods Network at iTunes.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hello, Skywalkers. Hey, hey, Zilch Nation. Are you looking for a fun-filled Star Wars and Disney podcast? Well, if you answered yes, then join me, Richard Woloski, and my sweetie wife, Sarah, on Skywalking Through Neverland. We are the family-friendly Star Wars and Disney podcast that brings you entertaining stories from creators and fans. And we are also big monkey fans, too. So, of course, we have to slip in some monkey stories and interviews, like our discussion with director James Frawley. We also would go to the beach, for example, with the four boys, and I would just say, okay, roll down the hill. <laughs> Do a funny walk. Did you create the monkey walk? Yeah, I mean, we did it together. You can hear us every week. We are Skywalking Through Neverland wherever podcasts are played and at skywalkingthroughneverland.com. We look forward to having you in our Skywalker family. And always remember, Neverland, Neverland on, Alderaan. on Alderaan. Or Mammoth Studios. I get that now. Hi, <laughs> Zilch fans. This is Melanie Mitchell. Be sure to check out my book, Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. It's a lighthearted review and companion for the TV show that made the 60s fun. The paperback is available online from Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and the ebook can be bought anywhere that fine ebooks are sold. Check out the Monkey Magic Facebook page, follow me on Tumblr at bluemoonalto.tumblr.com and listen for my contributions here on Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Hey, hey, ape fans, did you know that there were not just one, but two Planet of the Apes TV series broadcast in the 1970s, a live-action series in 1974, and an animated series in 1975? And if you're an ape fan who wants to catch up on these series to a fun-filled podcast, then tune in to Talking Apes TV, where we break down each episode with Ergotastic conversations. That's right, they are ergotastic until we break into arguments because we don't always see things ape to ape. <laughs> That's because you're always seeing vampires and pigs in with the gorillas, chimpanzees, and zayuses. Every time I watch them, I always see something new. And of course, where you find apes, you find monkeys! There are so many crossovers between the Monkeys and the Planet of the Apes TV series that we even had our podcast composer write this very special jingle. Hey, hey, we're the apes, and people say we monkey around, but we took over the planet, so don't try to keep us down. You can catch Talking Apes TV every month at skywalkingthroughneverland.com and retrozap.com. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash TV. Now go ape! You know, the word oldies isn't a dirty word. Not in my book, anyway. Hey, this is Ghosty. How would you like to listen to a radio show that spins top hits, lost gems, and then some? from the glorious years between 1955 and 1972. One that features interviews with the likes of Julie Newmark, John Sebastian, Al Jardine, Mickey Dolenz, Don Wells, David Cassidy, Angela Cartwright, Bill Medley, Ronnie Spector, Connie Stevens, and many more. Well, the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop is on the air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.1 WFDU-FM. That's in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You can also listen to it live online by going to WFDU.FM. But there's an even easier way for you folks who aren't in the New York, New Jersey area and don't want to have to get up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday morning. You can listen to it anytime you want, just by clicking the handy links over on our Facebook page. So go on to Facebook. You're probably already on Facebook. Look for the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop. Like it, live it, love it. And thanks. Hi, this is Tim Powers with Deep Dish Radio, and I'm here on the corner of Sunset and Gower in Hollywood, California, asking people who come by what their favorite podcast is. You know, uh, Deep Dish Radio with Tim Powers is getting a lot of traction and a lot of new listeners, so we're hoping to hear that people love my show, Deep Dish Radio with Tim Powers. Uh, let's start with this gentleman. You, sir, pushing the harp down the street. What is your favorite podcast? Zilch. What did you say? Zilch. 
Oh, of course. Zilch, the Monkeys podcast, hosted by Ken Mills and his friends. It's a great show, and, uh, and if you're a Monkeys fan, it's definitely uh, the right podcast for you. What did you say your name was? Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob Davalina. Well, that seems like a fun name to say. Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob Davalina. Right, sure. Mr. Yeah. Davalina, Mr. Bob right. Davalina. I, I, I get Mr. it. Mr. Davalina, Mr. Okay. Bob Davalina. Mr. Davalina. Mr. Davalina, Mr. Davalina. Mr. Davalina, I get it. Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob Davalina. We've got your name, Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob Davalina. Stand over there. Mr. Davalina, Mr. Bob I'm going to ask the next guy that comes along. You, sir, with the pair of red maracas. What's your favorite podcast? Zilch. Of course, the great Zilch podcast, available wherever podcasts are available. And uh, if you love the monkeys, if you want to hear interviews with people like Adam Schlesinger or Andrew Sandoval or, or James Frawley, this is the show for you. Oh, man, you, you have excellent taste in podcasts, my friend. Listen, is there anything that you'd like to tell the world now that you have a microphone in your face? China Clipper calling Alameda. What? China what? Clipper calling no, Alameda. I, I get it. I understand China that that's what you What, is this some sort of China spy code? What are you... Alameda. That doesn't China even make any sense. No idea what you're China t- China Shut up, please. All right, you know what? I'm going on to somebody else. All right, you, right there. What is your favorite podcast? Zilch. Again? Seriously? Doesn't anybody like my show? It's called Deep Dish Radio with Tim Powers, and you can get it anywhere you get your podcast. It's great, too. It's a lot of fun. I have fun guests. I tell funny stories. I have jokes. I do production and stuff like Ken. It's a great show. <laughs> If you've ever listened to my show, how many times have you listened? Zilch. Oh, fine. All right. You know what? This is the kind of stuff that really makes me mad. I put a lot of work into this show. I get guests, and I do production, and yeah, furthermore... Never mind the furthermore, the play is self-defense. What do you mean? Never mind the furthermore, the play is self-defense. Self-defense, there is no self-defense. We're not fighting. We're talking about my show, where I talk to musicians, and I talk to authors, and comic book artists, and stuff like that. I don't... Stop it, would you... You know what? Hey, you... You there. What is your favorite podcast? Zilch. Ah, listen, if you've never listened to my show, will you at least intend to? It is of my opinion that the people are intending. Intending? Intending to do what? It is of my opinion that the people are intending. It is of my opinion that the people are intending. What are they intending to do? You know what? I'm just going to go start up Herman's Herman's podcast. I'm Henry VIII, I am. Henry VIII, I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before, and everyone was an Henry. She wouldn't take a Willie or a Sam. I'm her eighth old man, I'm Henry. Henry VIII, I am.